Black revolutionaries, distillery owners, Italian fashion retailers, and Motown Grammy winners all share their best stories never before told in any other media outlets on Detroit Is Different. Visit DetroitIsDifferent.com or download the Detroit Is Different app on Apple's App Store or Google's Play Store. All right, we are back in full effect in the Detroit Is Different podcast studios. Uh, I got somebody in here that's definitely been handling some business and connecting to the Detroit community his whole life. Um, somebody that I look up to when it comes to mitigating a lot of what you got to do to be in business, working within the the space of doing business in the city, doing business in the neighborhood. Um, and it's funny because we basically same age, but uh, he stays at it. Jay, how you feeling? What up, though? Yes, sir. Yes, sir. All right. So let's start this how we usually start the Detroit is different story. How did you get into the city of Detroit? What led your family to Detroit? Uh, so as far as I know, uh, my grandparents, you know, they came up from the South. Uh, as most, you know, stories uh, yeah. came up from the South for opportunity. And uh, yeah, so my family just kind of, um, you know, planted their flag in Michigan. Uh, what uh, what city? Or what, uh, what place? Well, De- Detroit. Oh, uh, it's south. Uh, my grandfather, uh, is, I believe, is Arkansas. My grandma's Louisiana. Okay. I believe. Um, and I'm actually still doing a lot of research as far as, like, digging into, you know, saying their what, history and where roots. they come from. Yep. Okay. Um, so uh, I actually just found, you know, my, uh, on my Rayford side, I wasn't as connected, mm-hmm. um, you know, since that story. So I've just kind of been diving in and connecting with people on Facebook with the same last name, man, and uh, trying to, you know, connect some dots, man. So I've been getting, mm-hmm. I'll be getting a little closer, man. This is awesome. It's like, I think I'm your cousin. <laughs> right. Like, forget like, it. If you're a Rafer, scam is this? Listen, if you're a Rafer, you're my family. That's, that's, how, we, that's how we roll now. You know what I mean? Who is this? Do you want some money? <laughs> right, right. But no, I mean, seriously, like on Facebook, man, like it, it got to the point where, you know, all, a lot of us with that last name were just uh, connecting, uh, you know, adding mm-hmm. each other on Facebook and everything like that. Like, bro, we were related in some way. Because <laughs> it's not that common of a last name. You know, it's right? not. So. It's, it, it is not. And yeah. uh, as you speak about it, I'm just joking, but uh, a lot of people I know have done that and mm-hmm. reached out and connected to more of their people. Uh, where in Michigan? Where Where in the city? Where in Michigan did you guys uh, Primarily Detroit. Detroit. Um, mm-hmm. I do have some uh, relatives up in um, uh, Saginaw, mm-hmm. um, up that way, um, but primarily Detroit. Okay. <laughs> what neighborhood? Uh, so, I mean, grew up in the kind of Joy Road, Southfield area. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my grandparents uh, um, had a home like uh, out of drive in Six Mile. Okay. Uh, so over there, uh, primarily, pretty much, I, I tell I tell people, uh, both sides of Southfield Freeway. <laughs> okay. I mean, between 96, like on both sides. <laughs> okay. That's kind of where we were. So basically, West side. Uh, you grew up in that Cody neighborhood. Yeah, went to Cody High School. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <clears throat> was supposed to. I moved to the other side of uh, Southfield, and uh-huh. I was supposed to go to Cooley, but all my friends were at Cody, so I was just like, we just go stay there. So we bust over. Okay. Back and forth. Yeah. All right, and then that's also the River Rouge neighborhood. Yep, yep. <clears throat> so I went to Lester Middle School over there, about uh, where it used to be Rouge Park, uh, mm-hmm. Dixon Elementary, uh, which Lessinger is now Dixon. It's, it's crazy, but Dixon, uh, the physical structure no longer exists, but um, mm-hmm. it was right over there, uh, not far from Dearborn. So my community was very, you know, diverse, uh, you know, say from that standpoint, being that close to Dearborn. Okay, and I just had an interview with Gabby, uh, uh, Gabrielle Knox, who's a heck of a poet that kind of grew up in that neighborhood as well. <laughs> and the culture there is a little bit different, it still seems like. Um, 
especially because Rouge Park is such a asset to to the city uh, and being right there. And it's so big. Oh, yeah, it's huge, man. Like, for a long time, I didn't even realize how deep Rouge Park went. Like, the, uh, you know, I mean, you can drive, mm-hmm. like, <laughs> through it for quite a quite a while. So, um, it's a beautiful it's a beautiful place, man. I remember uh, growing up in those family fun days just to be there. Mm-hmm. Um, I think uh, Brandy, I remember seeing Brandy there and all that kind of stuff. But, man, it was a great place. I mean, we went, you know, when it was uh, winter, we would go uh, on a hill over there, go sledding. Mm-hmm. I mean, all that kind of stuff, man. So, like, and that was in my backyard, you know? Like, yeah. That was dope. <laughs> And then the, uh, what is it, the Buffalo Soldiers sometimes will be around there. Yeah, yeah, um, the horses, yeah, yeah. The, 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 the old dudes playing chess <laughs> would be out there. Yeah, they, they used to have, uh, what, what I really, you know, uh, enjoyed growing up was uh, it would be folks over there take their uh, planes, their little model planes, or, or not model planes, but like their um, remote-controlled planes. So people used to have like these incredible like planes that they would fly around there, um, and I thought that was just so dope. Never got one of my own, but you know, so it was dope it to was see cool. them. Yeah, every you know every weekend we would see them out there, and it was really dope. And Exit Nine now yes, is sir. like so like as they as people think of it, it's like oh man, that's the Murder McDonald's. Right, it's right. Is it still called Murder yeah. Mac? Yep, yep. yep. So as much as that's going on, it's families, but it's it's other elements in that community too. Yeah, I mean that's it's um, um I think it's I've been identified as the highest population of uh, kids uh, in that area. So mm-hmm. you know, as far as um, you know, a lot of organizations are really focused on how to you know improve that area and provide programming for children over there too. So. Yeah. All right. And growing up, your parents, uh, grandparents, what were they working? You said the plant kind of brought them up, but uh, where at? Uh, so I can't remember exactly. I mean, uh, where my grandfather worked. I don't think I actually remember mm-hmm. um, where he worked specifically. He was my grandma, the time he was probably. Um, mm-hmm. Probably. I can't even remember. Uh, but my grandma, she used to work in the, the nursing homes and stuff like that. Uh, mm-hmm. So she, I remember uh, the last place she worked was uh, at a nursing home over there on, uh, what is that, uh, right by the Home Depot on the, um, what's that? Uh, Seven, Seven Mile, Mile and Myers. Myers, yep. Mm-hmm. yep. So it's a nursing home over there that she, uh, I think that was the last place that she worked or retired from. So, um, yeah, man. Um, I mean, they were just some, I mean, my grandma, I mean, it's crazy because, like, I grew up thinking about it. Like, I don't actually remember my grandma going to work. I just remember her always, you know, she had the meals ready. She, you know what I'm saying? She was just that quiet force of a presence, you know what I mean? Like, I don't never remember her yelling or anything like that. She was just very, like, kind of had this kind of, like, um, style and composure about her that was kind of, like, I felt like kind of unique, I guess, uh, other than, you know, the mother big mama stories that were very, like, you know what I'm saying, uh, uh, take care of, have me had to take care of everybody um, mm-hmm. whereas my my story is kind of different where uh, I don't I never grew up knowing what a deadbeat looks like a deadbeat mm-hmm. dad so my grandfather was present um, my grandma had other kids that he was present for my uh, other um, uncles and stuff like that you know had kids that they fathered that weren't theirs uh, my dad when he married my mom she had other kids that he you know cared for before they had me mm-hmm. um, and things like that man so I, I mean Stories is just a little bit different from that angle of like, I don't know what a deadbeat dad looks like. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, that's definitely different, especially uh, growing up uh, in our communities because mm-hmm. even on my own block, uh, my father and Mr. Bestita were the 
present in home fathers consistently right. throughout our childhood. And then you yeah. had Big James that was sometimes transient in and out. But other than that, like the presence of fathers was not as present. So mm -hmm. many of my friends would be like, man, you got a dad. Right, right. Yeah, 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 yeah. man. You know, so brothers and sisters. <clears throat> yep, spoke yep. to it. So, yeah, so uh, I tell people all the time um, that I'm the, the youngest, oldest, and only child all at the same time. <laughs> so, with my uh, my mom, uh, before she met my dad, she had two boys, and, I mean, two girls and a boy. Um, and when my parents married, they only had me. They got divorced, and my dad remarried and had two girls and a boy. Okay. So, yeah. Okay. Um, yeah, so, for a while, you were the only child. Yeah, for of, a short period of time. Sort of, yeah, like, yeah, pseudo. Yeah. Well, I mean, well, my, my siblings, uh, you know, they were kind of in and out. They were, you know, at that age where they were kind of trying to be grown and live on, you know, do their own thing or whatever. Yeah. So, but my dad still had a presence in their life. Like, even now, you know, when my older siblings see my dad, it's like all love. Like, they respect the guy so much, you know what I mean? Okay. Um, so. And, and uh, well, so, so I definitely want to go through, like, what was that being, like, a youngest? And then how did you take that to transition to being an oldest? Right, like, did you, right. Uh, did you go through the same lesson? Like, did you... Did you let your Did you let your little brother win in basketball early on, or were you like, "No, I'm taking it to you like Kobe"? Uh, so no, my my older siblings, man. Um, like I said, they were kind of transient, man, and um, you know, uh, we we're figuring out their own lives and stuff like that. Uh, my older brother was kind of like um, incredibly smart guy, but you know, got into you know hanging around the wrong people type mm -hmm. of thing. So he, you know, did I would visit him in like you know juvie and stuff like that or whatever. Yeah. Um, so I had kind of like an example of like, you know, what to learn from in a sense or um, not even just what to learn from, uh, I mean, from a negative standpoint, but also just from a, you know, what I'm saying holding your own. And, you know, what I'm saying like, you know, like no matter what I got this, you know, what I'm saying that kind of yeah. determination and, and just sheer will yeah. um, that I got from my older siblings. Um, and then, um, you know, with my uh, with my dad, you know, with my younger siblings. Um, it was a little bit of, uh, you know, I had, you know, uh, bump heads with my stepmom, you know what I'm saying? So I yeah. you know, ran from home a couple of times here and there yeah. and stuff like that. So, um, but with my, my uh, little sisters, man, like it was, you know, like it was a mixture of, you know what I'm saying, being super excited, but then also being super frustrated because they took up all the attention, you know what I'm saying? Like it was yeah. just always about them and just like, you know, yeah. <laughs> that type of thing. And, and learning that balance. Yeah, yeah. And then for my little brother, man, it was a little bit different because at that time, you know, I was older at that, that point in time because he's the youngest. Um, and, uh, you know, I was transitioning away from home, you know what I'm saying, quite a bit. And uh, for me, it was more, me and his relationship was very much like, you know what I'm saying, kind of like a, you know, in the, in the coaching kind of sense, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Uh, but he was also like, you know, he was a solid little guy, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. So we roughhouse all the time, you know what I'm saying? All that kind of stuff too. Um, but he, man, he's grown up to be, you know what I'm saying? The, um, pretty much the filtered version of myself, you know what I'm saying? Okay. Just kind of determined. I mean, he's a, uh, a designer, illustrator, you know what I'm saying? Graphic design type deal. Wow. Um, just creative. I mean, I bought a guitar because I want to learn how to play. Got too busy. He picked it up, taught himself how to play. Wow. You know what I'm saying? Like, even when I was younger, I would draw and all that kind of stuff, but never took it anywhere. I wanted to go to CCS. You know what I'm saying? All of that. What did he do? Taught himself how to draw, went to CCS. Wow. Okay. <laughs> so, like, okay. Um, it's been a beautiful thing to see, man. And then uh, oftentimes he would just, like, kind of thank me for, um, you know what I'm saying? Laying someone on the Yeah, but I'm just like, bro, like, don't don't give me the credit. You 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 know what I'm saying. You saw something that you were interested in and you went for it, man. Mm -hmm. Like that's all you right there. You know what I mean? So okay, <laughs> just want to you know to your support, man. That's I can. So as we talk a little bit about that, what were you into along this journey? Because 
um, your story as you talk about your relationship with your father being ever present, but many, many children through through a divorce and, you know, stepmom and then what, what that looks like can can that can be a, a tough transition. Uh, and you do find yourself being more independent as things, you know, go on. For sure, uh, for sure. And, and at any age, um, as when my mom passed in 2017, just changes in seeing my father and just, you know, our relationship has changed. Even my father's relationship with my sister has changed. Mm -hmm. But also seeing my dad, like, kind of in his dating journey was, <laughs> was unique, especially for my sister. So I can only imagine what that was like, because all my sister kept bringing up was like, I can only imagine what this would have been like if I was 10. Right, like, right. Man, I, never, <laughs> I never really put it into perspective. Like right, that. right. So I was, I was much younger uh, at that time when my parents divorced. Uh, mm -hmm. So I'm very... I'm, I don't really have much memory of them together, actually. Yeah. Um, but one thing that kind of stuck with me as far as, um, you know, saying my dad, uh, you know, getting into being remarried or whatever, um, was that there was ne they never showed me any animosity that they had toward each other. Yeah. Well, my dad would take me to my mom. He would chill and kick you for a little bit. You know what I'm saying? They laugh, joke, whatever. Mm -hmm. Then he'd leave. And I would stay there with my mom. But, like, that was a relationship that I always saw. I always saw that mutual respect. Like, although we're not together, you know what I'm saying, we still got this kid. But also, like, yo, you were an important part of my life, you know what I'm saying? Like, it ain't all hate, you know what I'm saying, whatever. No matter what is the reason why we, you know, they split or whatever. But, you know what I'm saying, that actually carried on into how I, you know what I'm saying, because I have uh, children that are, um, you know what I'm saying, I'm with someone else now, you know what I'm saying, they're with their mom and my attempt to be, you know, this kind of, like, hey, I want my kid to see us being peaceful with each other, mm -hmm. being, you know, amicable, you know what I'm saying, but also being able to do family stuff. Like, yeah, we're going to go to the movies. Yeah, all three of us, you know what I mean? You know, that type of thing. So, so like um, a, a healthy co-parenting relationship. Right, as, right. You know, some of these things are being defined, especially in our culture, just as a lot of things are being defined in black culture, African-American culture. Uh, you saw that as a child. Right, right. Which <laughs> is definitely not the pervasive narrative on exactly. you know, the media. It's right. usually like, the dad didn't care. He was a deadbeat, or the baby mama crazy. Right. You know what I'm saying? I'm not saying that my mom wasn't crazy. You know what I'm saying? Like, uh, I don't know what he actually dealt with outside of that, but mm -hmm. they never let me see that. You know yeah. what I mean? And I thought that was important. And it kind of, mm -hmm. like, definitely, you know, uh, has affected the way that I try to manage my co parenting relationships, too. Okay. So, as this goes on, um, your journey, high school, you said Cody. Cody's. Yes. One of those schools like Northwestern. I'm Northwestern grad. There's <laughs> a lot of stuff in Cody. It's like a printing press, a photography studio. It's like Cody is a huge building. I, I, I only imagine right now with DPS, I can, they're probably using like 20% of or whatever. <laughs> right. But when you went here, because we're around the same age, I'm sure you knew of so much of what was in there. I don't know how much, yeah. how active everything was. When, when I first went there, man, we had, uh, we still had home, home ec. Uh, mm -hmm. That was there. I didn't get a chance to uh, take advantage of it, but, you know, I, I saw it. Um, we had driver's ed that, that happened uh, right outside. You know, we had a little track and everything mm -hmm. uh, right outside, which is really dope. Um, 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 actually, I also participated in vocational school, so I went to Bright Hop Career and Technical Center, okay. uh, which was a game changer for me. Um, mm -hmm. It was literally my home away from home, um, but I went there for computer-aided design. Okay. Um, and drafting. Um, and uh, so what happened is actually um, uh, at Votech, I was able to participate in uh, robotics and had the time of my life 
doing robotics. He used to, oh. Friends used to be teasing, like, bro, you doing that nerdy nonsense yeah. or whatever. I'm just like, listen, y'all don't understand when we go to these competitions, them ladies, bro, <laughs> they, they didn't understand. No, they, was, they were not checking. I'm like, listen. Like, Shout out to uh, Eric Thomas, <laughs> another another robotics. Uh, right, uh, yeah, yep, yep. Uh, <laughs> he was a champion at that too. <laughs> right yeah. now, the uh, chief storyteller. Right, right. Yeah. Um, and it's funny because, uh, I mean, I, I for the first time, so I didn't play sports, I mean, uh, in high school. Um, I did, like, mm-hmm. um, I did uh, Barney McCloskey uh, baseball, uh, which is a, um, a sports program that was in uh, on Druid Road mm-hmm. that I think they offer uh, baseball and basketball. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was, I was, I, had a heck of a time playing um, baseball, um, but didn't uh, follow through to middle school and high school. Um, mm-hmm. So robotics became kind of my sport. Basically. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah. Um, so I actually had the opportunity to see what it looks like to um, to build a team, to see what it looks like to make decisions as a team, um, um, to go out. Uh, and actually, I was actually on the front line. So like literally uh, competing the robots, I was one of the controllers of the robot. Yeah. So I was always up front and center, you know what I mean? For the first time in my life, you know what I'm saying? Like, wow. You know, and it, I mean, we're talking about like folks screaming. We, you know what I'm saying? We got buttons that, you know, people, everybody wanted our buttons because we had like this robotic dog with the, the uh, tail, had a light on it. So, you know what I'm saying? Everybody was just like, yo, let me get them buttons. You know what I mean? It was a whole full experience. And uh, we actually... Uh, uh, went to national uh, competition in Disney World. So they shut down Epcot for thousands of robotics kids. You know what I'm saying? And it was had the time of my life. Wow. But, um, I ended up taking that experience back to my high school um, and talked to one of my science teachers, and we ended up creating that, uh, the robotics team at Cody mm-hmm. also, um, which I was partial to because I was part of one at Bright Hop. But, you know uh-huh. I mean, they were able to partner with Ford and uh, uh, because they actually it was a robot. We and they ended up having a partnership with, uh, I think it was Ford or um, to bring in like a, a rope uh, to teach kids how to con- uh, uh, pretty much control robots for the assembly lines. So we mm-hmm. actually had one of those. It was from from Nuke Robotics, I think, and uh, or Fanic, however you say it. Uh, mm-hmm. But um, we were able to bring that program to, to wow. Cody, which was really dope. Uh, and I don't even know how many people actually know that I'm the reason why there's a robotics team at Cody. Yeah, yeah, robotics <laughs> team at Cody. Yeah, yeah, man. But uh, it was an amazing experience, man. But, uh, you know, uh, it was cool at Cody because also um, some folks, uh, some friends that I grew up with, um, you know, I had some older folks that, you know, when I went there, they were already seniors and stuff like that. So, uh, so you had instant cool. Yeah, well, not not necessarily instant cool, but you know, what I'm saying because they separated ninth grade from the rest of the school, right? So there was this uh, other uh, wing of the school basically that was all ninth graders. So we were kind of separated. So I didn't get to take advantage of the full the instant cool, like yo, Where instant like, cool man, factor. He, he like yo, that's what you got, <laughs> right? Wow. Like yo, you y'all know each other? Like yeah, man, it's like my big brother. Uh, but yeah, man, it was it was uh, high school was cool, man. Okay, after high school. So after high school, man, I did, um, uh, so during high school, I was working, I was doing an internship at GM, actually, um, which, again, credit to uh, Bright Hop Career Technical Center. I uh, got the opportunity to do an internship at GM um, um, out in uh, Warren. Uh, so I used to have to take that trek, you know, on that bus, uh, take three buses. I had to get up at like yeah, 5.30 in the morning. Man, you coming from like that neighborhood. Yeah, going that's from, a, that's a, let me, let me get. Sure, to the South Field. I've been, a, I've been, a, I've been a bus taker. Yeah, yeah, yeah. been a bus taker for a while. I would probably, yeah, I would probably take the, yeah, the South Field to 8 Mile and yep. I guess the 8 Mile down. Mm-hmm. Well, I think 
Let me see. What the? Uh, I, I, think think I think that's the route I took. You could, you you could swear well, I might have cut cut some. Cut I think some I cut some. I think I cut some because I think I remember taking three buses, but something dropped me off right at Eight Mile in Van Dyke okay. or whatever. Okay. So um, I don't think I took that, but that was the Eight Mile bus there. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, uh, I had to get up super early in the morning to yeah. go do that or whatever. Um, so much so, this was eleventh grade. Uh, so they ended up hiring me, uh, bringing me back again for the second year, um, just because they saw that kind of, I guess, the hustle. Me being there, you know, taking the bus. I mean, I was the only person taking the bus there. <laughs> Everybody else had cars and all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Getting dropped off, yeah. um, and they, they uh, which was different because they, I mean, usually you only get a one time opportunity to do that, uh, the internship. Um, so they brought me back again and. Um, uh, I, I distinctly remember uh, orientation. They were just like, "Yeah, we had one student. He was catching the buses to get here." I was just like, "You gotta be in rest and be like this." <laughs> <laughs> uh, right, right. Like what? Like, uh, so basically, they kind of used me as an example of determination, like, you know, hustle, like you know, tenacity. You don't have no reason to be late if this guy's catching the buses. You were like, here. <laughs> yeah, you were like that one guy that did that story on that was like walking like right, miles right, to, yeah, uh, right, to yeah. work. Yeah, it was <laughs> crazy. Snowstorm. Um, they were like, "You definitely should not be late." Right. You live down the street with the car. Right. It's like, oh, uh, man, I was in the Coney Island. <laughs> <laughs> and that was funny. I used to get there so early that I used to be in that Tim Hortons, like a Tim Hortons is like a uh, right there on the corner. Yeah. And come to find, years later, I met a woman that owns that, that Tim, Tim Hortons. Hortons. I was like, it was a black woman. Uh, and I was thoroughly impressed. I'm like, you have no idea how much money I spent at your place. <laughs> I kept you I would have look, look, probably uh, spent more knowing it was black owned. You know what I mean? But... Uh, I kept you going. It was, it was hilarious to meet that lady. I met her on a, a, a Black History, uh, Black College tour. Okay. She was one of the chaperones. And I was like, wow. Ain't that something. Um, but yeah, man, so I bring up the free coffee for nah. It's like, no, I need all that money. Um, but uh, I bring up that story, uh, GM, because uh, the natural progression for that internship was to um, go to uh, uh, like a community college or whatever the case may be and still continue the internship. Yeah. Um, that year, they ch- the year I graduated, they changed it to you need to go to a four-year university. Huh. I was already enrolled in um, uh, what they call it. Uh, WC3 uh, or Henry Ford. Well, Henry Ford. Ford uh, okay. I was doing the middle college program. I got you. And so and I'm a Henry Ford grad, I'm like, grad too. Nice. So shout out to uh, what are they? What are they? The Hawks? Is it? Like, <laughs> yeah, I know. It's, it's like, so I didn't even stay there. I, I mean, because uh, after that, um, you know, they kind of pissed me off at that. I was like, yeah. bro, like I'm already enrolled. I'm already got classes and everything. Like I'm going all the way over here to. Mac- I mean, so all the way out here. Uh, yeah. No, to. Uh, oh, between. Both. I'm sorry, not not Henry Side. Ford. Uh, it was Macomb at that time. Oh, MCC. Yeah, I was going okay. all the way over there. Oh um, yeah, yeah, that's far. Because yeah, Henry Ford would have been like down the street from. Yeah. Yeah, I forgot. That was McComb. Um, so I took a couple classes there during that time or whatever. But they changed it on me. So um, when I graduated, I ended up uh, getting an opportunity uh, at this company that was not too far from where uh, MC3 was. Mm-hmm. Um, but the crazy thing is I got that job because of robotics. Hmm. It was a company that designed robotics on the assembly lines. Mm-hmm. And so, like, it's just crazy how, you know what I'm saying, my Detroit Public School Education opened <laughs> opportunity up, opened up, up those kind of doors. Opportunity man. for you to be working, so, fresh um, out of high school. Yeah, yeah. So I'm super, super um, a proponent of uh, um, vocational schools, man. Like, they, I think they're a game changer, um, whether you're going to college or not, but just to get your feet wet and a skill set, you know what I'm saying, that you can take on, um, you know, beyond. So I'm able to do, I went to Bright Hop for computer-aided drafting mm-hmm. and I did robotics at Bright Hop and I ended up having a career after high school doing 
CAD for robotics. Like, now, it's crazy. <laughs> now, let's talk a little bit about that, too, because I was a little older when I had, like, my first, like, career job. Mm-hmm. And I still had the mentality of a young person. But what was it like being so young in a career job? Man. Because being 18, working next to somebody that was like 60. Right. You know, exactly. I was a truck driver uh, early on. I don't even know what year that was. So I was probably like 23, maybe 24. And it was a big cultural shift for me to be working next to like, man, this, this right. is a grown man. <laughs> grown, grown. You right. know, I mean, I'm so used to like Taco Bell and Pizza Hut, like just... You know, jobs, right, not right. careers. Yeah, for sure. So, I mean, that was definitely eye-opening for me. I mean, definitely being, one, the only uh, black person there, but also the youngest person there. Uh-huh. Um, so it was kind of it was pretty crazy, man. Um, How did you adjust? <clears throat> uh, I mean, I think that, again, I think uh, with my experience, one, you know, being able to go through GM, doing an internship there, um, you know, and just the way that Bright Hop, you know what I'm saying, prepared me. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, the teachers at, at Cody High School that, you know what I'm saying, saw something in me before I saw something in myself. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think I was prepared for the experience of being there, but um, definitely just, you know, wake up call to, you know, like, damn, why isn't more me here? You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you know, just what that looks like. Um, and, and I think that was one of the early sparks of me wanting to um, create ways for one, for young people to get exposed to um, these type of careers that, mm-hmm. one, you don't need a four-year university education to do. Like, if you can do this work and you can show us that you can do it, you ain't here. You know what mm-hmm. I mean? Um, similar to how uh, coding is now. You know what I'm saying? CAD was kind of that for me. Um, and so, um, you know, at that time, I started trying to come up with an organization to where I wanted other young people that, you know, that I met that were doing career-based stuff, you know, pretty early on. Um, to be able to talk to young, the younger people and saying like, yo, like you don't have to wait until you get older to actually get serious about your life. You know what I mean? Like yeah. you can, like there's you opportunity out here now. <laughs> and, and then let's also talk about the other flip side of that. Just seeing career based money at 18. What right. was that like for you? Because it's just, it's just, huh? Yeah. Right, right. Uh, so not long after that, I ended up, uh, kind of getting one of my, uh, first places. Uh, so I was there, um, let's see, uh, this is uh, 2000. This is after, uh, I mean, right around 9-11. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, um, so for the first time in my life, I get laid off. Mm. So it's just like, yeah, that nice little money, you know what I'm saying? And then realizing what a... Yeah, what budget, a, budgeting, <laughs> budgeting usually does not come to mind for an 18-year-old. Nah, it's like, nah. it's like, I get, it's like I get $1,200 every check, so I figure <laughs> like I'm good. I can have a great pay for <laughs> one check, and then I'm living but off listen, it. Listen, like, even if I'm late on it, like, I'm good. To, I mean, I'm about to get paid next week. Yeah, uh-huh. I'm good. Um, but, uh, I, I mean, it was definitely... Um, some of those principles that, you know, my dad taught me that started to come into mind or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, so, you know, growing up, I wanted the Jordans and, you know what I'm saying, the hot shoes that everybody else had. Dad's like, nope, when you get a job, you can get them yourself. So my first job was actually at um, uh, Murray's on Plymouth and, uh, what's that, Plymouth and, uh, uh, it's in Redford, so mm-hmm. oh, Plymouth Road. And uh, at there, it's funny that my uh, that Murray's was, uh, is a jewelry store in there that my dad worked at. My dad's a jeweler. Jacob the Jeweler is funny. Mm-hmm. Uh, but uh, uh, I get, when I got my first check, you know what I'm saying, and I went to think about going to buy them shoes, I'm like, 
bro, that's gonna take my whole check? Nah, I'm good. <laughs> so, like, I kind of carry that on, man. You know what I'm saying? So I never okay. did have Jordans early. You know what I'm saying? Even after I got my money or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I still would get nice, you know, nice stuff or whatever, but I wasn't getting Jordans, bro. Like, nah, I'm not paying that much money for no shoes, bro. Okay. So, you didn't, it, it <laughs> so I didn't like, splurge, splurge like that, yeah. but um, definitely, you know, definitely didn't have a mindset around like, you know, I need to save. I need to, because one day I might not have this or anything like that. So okay. when that 9-11 hit, bro, like, I boo-hoo cried. Like, I mm-hmm. cried to my dad, man. Just like, you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm so lost. I don't know what to do. Blah, you know what I'm saying? Uh, the whole nine, man. But it's funny because at that moment, I think sparked in me that I never want to give an employer the control over my life in that type of way. You know what I mean? To where, like, I mean, that unemployment check ain't nowhere near what you get paid. You know what I'm saying? So it's just like, <laughs> like how am I supposed to function off of this? Mm-hmm. Uh, but you know what I'm saying after that I mean I just kind of went to the hustle man and uh, I ended up like doing valet driving here for a hospital I was um, uh, I ended up doing like a uh, like a counting type job at a law firm mm-hmm. a little bit uh, which I was also doing IT stuff and all kind of different stuff and then, so I was just so like, you were you were on the job hustle yeah which being on the job hustle as a black man is when I've been in the job hustle and I'm been definitely in the entrepreneurship world for a while now but at one point in time i was in the job hustle for me i personally will ask this question it was tough because every time you know even the interview submitting the resume you know putting on your good shirt your good slacks mm-hmm. and you shake hands and you go in the back you know so are you guys hiring now i'm just following up right <laughs> it felt a little embarrassed a little bit of shame and then a little bit uneasy of like, will this opportunity happen? Will this opportunity happen? Will this opportunity right. happen? Like that was always in the back of my mind. Mm-hmm. Like just never the assurance. And it may be like this for everybody, but you know, I'm usually walking in places where I don't see any other black man. Right. right. So it's like, am I even like it, it doesn't even make sense to walk in here. Right, right. And it's funny because uh because I I think that I had the benefit of the doubt because of my name. So mm-hmm. I go by Jay, but my name is Jacob. And so uh, when I'm putting out resumes, I would pretty much get calls back. Like, you know what I'm yeah. saying? Until they see me at the interview and being like, oh, like, like you're Jacob? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I know, yeah, that's the okay. Like, oh, all right. Okay. Okay. Tell me about yourself. So either, either um, you know, say I wasn't going to get that opportunity because, like, we weren't exactly looking for a black guy, but thanks. Or, like, wow, you really impressed me, mm-hmm. you know what I mean, to the point where I'm just like, okay, so... Maybe I was kind of like defeating some stereotypes at that point, you know what I'm saying, just because like I got that in to because of my name, you know what okay. I mean? Like it's crazy to think about. Yeah. But yeah, man. That's deep. It's, it's, That's it's. deep. So how, how many interviews were you going on and how many leads were you juggling uh, at the time? Because that's a that's an art form learning that at a young oh, age. Oh, man. Um, I, I mean, I used to be a... Um, uh, this, at this time, it was like the career builders and all that kind of stuff and everything like that. Man, mm-hmm. I was... On that junk like crazy, like submitting applications all over the place. Um, <clears throat> I actually think that uh, I, I was on Monster as well. I ended up getting an opportunity through Monster, I think at the time, to for something, something. It was some type of program they were doing or something like that, and they invited me to be a part of it. Mm-hmm. I don't know because it was they didn't saw so much data coming from my end or what, but mm-hmm. um, it was some type of leadership type deal or something like that or whatever. Um, but, um, man, I mean, I think the biggest thing for me was, uh, I was staying cognizant of other people doing amazing things. So I was mm-hmm. able to stay motivated, uh, I think from that sense of just, you know, making sure that like, 
uh, either connecting with people or just being aware, you know, I think was a huge benefit to me keeping, you know, continuing to keep going. Um, and I think uh, also, you know, at that time, it's kind of like when I just knew for sure that I wanted to kind of get into this for entrepreneurship. So my goal, my ultimate goal ended up changing to um, get a job to sustain my life, to get a job so I can acquire certain skills so that I can eventually own my own business. Wow. <clears throat> and and with that, some of the questions I would ask, because during this time, uh, as, I, as I'm tracking and trending, you know, it's different things happening. You know, um, the, the city's taking more interest in what unemployment centers look like, uh, the pop-up shops to help mm. people, the career builder centers. Man, I'm forgetting the name of, of some of these centers, but I know one was one was over on Milwaukee. Uh, another was in Southwest Detroit, even to this day, uh, off uh, off Michigan Ave. I want to say it's like the Serve Center or whatever. Mm-hmm. Like those different places. Like the Michigan those, Works. Yeah, the uh, Michigan Works Departments. That's exactly what mm-hmm. I was thinking. The Michigan Works Departments are, are looking to be a little bit more engaged, especially uh, with Governor Granholm. Uh, did you take advantage of those resources? How active did you think that those resources were helping people? Um, it's mixed reviews, I know I've heard. Right. I don't, um, I, I think uh, through unemployment, there was like a forcing you to kind of navigate those systems or whatever. Mm-hmm. Um, because if you didn't, you wasn't getting <laughs> yeah, <laughs> unemployment. Yeah. Uh, but I, I mean, again, I mean, I think that, uh, you know, I had the benefit of, um, you know what I'm saying, taking some of these odd jobs and stuff like that. Like I said, valet ended up being, you know what I'm saying, like I was able to kind of find these valet jobs quite a, quite consistently. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I ended up doing it like more so full-time at Hearing for a Hospital, mm-hmm. uh, which was amazing to think about, like, Ballet at a hospital, like it's a no brainer to me. <laughs> I don't know why more hospitals don't do it because, like, uh-huh. how many handicapped spots does a hospital have? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> not yeah. many because there's a hospital, mm-hmm. but um, uh, I, don't, I, don't, I don't recall uh, really navigating those a lot of those uh, that much. Um, mm-hmm. I think a lot of opportunities I was either able to get, like, even the, the Henry Ford ballet, you know, that was through somebody I knew at church that was mm-hmm. managing that, and he was like, Yeah, come through. Um, so a lot of jobs end up coming from, uh, you know, a connection, a network, or something like yeah, that. Tapping which, back into the network. Yeah, which, which I think a um, lot of people do. Yeah, which I think was the, you know, at that time, you know, I mean, was the same grace for me. So it's just like, oh yeah, like, you know, I mean, my work ethic, being able to, you know, what I'm saying, speak for me, I think in a sense, um, gave me additional opportunities. But um, even now, my my the, the job that I do now, Grow uh, Detroit Young Talent, mm-hmm. I'm telling young people all the time, I'm just like, put in the work. Like, even if you don't like this job, like, put in the work and show them that your work ethic because you have no idea who's on the back end. Like, you know, you apply for another job and they reach out to, you know, <laughs> this job and they just like, don't, don't hire the guy. Or, oh, my God, they're amazing. Uh, we so sad that we couldn't keep them on longer or whatever the case may be. Um, you just never know, man. So I'll tell you that all the time. I know for me, it's never like, don't hire that guy. It's just probably I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to, Sing the same accolades. I'm mm-hmm. like, yeah, I, I know. Right. <laughs> you know. Right. Else right. Like, I'm not oh, going. Yeah, I'm not going. They right. don't work perfect. He, you right. Know. Exactly. Yeah. And that's how perfect. I. That's how I approach it too. Like if somebody you just know. like, hey, what do you think about this person? If I ain't really care for him too much, like, they're okay. Yeah, yeah you know exactly. 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 But Would you recommend like, hiring them? I mean, depending on the job. Yes, But I'm not about to be like straight your, up like don't the vision do of do your it. business is for <laughs> someone to show up late right. Right. and not work. Yes, hire right. them. Right. right. Well, you know, depending. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, yeah. so definitely, as that goes, you're shifting to entrepreneurship. 
How did that start? So, um, so throughout this journey, I ended up uh, deciding that I was going to start looking for opportunity outside of Detroit. Um, so for the first time in my life, uh, uh, I was able to move. Uh, so let me back up a little bit. Uh, so um, the opportunity with uh, uh, GM came from Voltec. Later on in life, I say connected with a lot of people from Voltec. Um, there was a, I remember there was a presentation that was done at school uh, for um, like Lyman, uh, like dealing with DTE, you know, the energy company, whatever. So uh-huh. years later, I ended up uh, contacting back uh, one of those people that came to do a presentation, um, and they were doing um, <clears throat> pretty much like uh, apprenticeships for DTE. Um, so that, I got an opportunity to get into, um, again, like a starting over, you know, learning something new process. Um, so I translated my, my CAD skills and all that kind of stuff to electrical this time. So the linemen, when you speak of linemen that, that get up and work the poles. Right. So they came to our school was telling us about that. So they were just like, uh, like, yeah, you know, these guys make, you know, say ridiculous amount of money. And, you know, and, you know, we did the little tours and all that kind of stuff, whatever. They sell you on that. Until you realize, like, I don't want to take that chance of get my arm blown off for this nice 80. Because you know? <laughs> it's like you make one mistake. like nah, Not just that. Boom, you go. Not like, just that. The, the weather conditions. Oh, yeah. All I mean, yeah. like, like you think of it. I got a homeboy that's into that. <clears throat> and he works hard at that. Mm-hmm. Uh, as he's transitioned a couple of times through AT&T through it. Um, and he talks about it. Like, he'll travel the country doing, doing the work. Mm-hmm. And anytime that... Like, let's put it like this. Most times that you're, you're really getting that work is when the power goes right, out. Right, exactly. And sometimes when the power goes out, it's snow. Right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yep. You know, so it's like, woo! Yeah, I was like, that was like an instant no for me when I realized that. I was just like, yeah, up there, how much money? Okay. And then, no, yeah. I'm not willing to take that bet. <laughs> and ladders don't seem that tall until you want them. Right, right. You, know, you get up, up on that fourth rug, you'd be like, oh. I mean, oh, all the equipment and stuff, and you climbing up there, you hope somebody yeah. cut the line. Like, nah, I'm straight. Um, but anyway, uh, they still had other opportunities too, and so I was able to tap into it. So I ended up being a uh, what they call it, a uh, like service planner or something like that for DTE. So okay. I did that for uh, I think a couple of years actually, um, <clears throat> and uh, uh, that opportunity allowed me to um, be able to look at opportunity outside of Detroit. Okay. Um, so the first place I went was actually the, uh, West Palm Beach, Florida. Huh. Um, I was doing work for Florida Power and Light. Hmm. And uh, which was crazy because, like, you know, I'm so this young, I'm, you know, I'm in my early 20s at this point, uh-huh. and uh, you know, going to Florida, you know, what I'm saying where the where this great, you know, yeah. what I'm saying <laughs> like all kind of stuff. Yeah, it was cool. Um, you know, what I'm saying, and even there, like, you know, I didn't know a lot of people there, so I ended up getting another job. I ended up working like at Best Buy or whatever, just you know, what I'm saying, uh, bringing in some extra money, but also the you know, occupy my time or whatever. Um, but um, at the time when I first got there, though. Uh, I didn't have a place yet, um, and my car, you know, uh, my car payments were past due, you know what I'm saying, at this point, <laughs> and uh, I ended up having to have to turn my car in, um, but before, right before I could turn my car in, my friend uh, at the time, who was actually the senior at, at uh, Cody High School when I went there, he um, was in Orlando for, you know, a job opportunity. Between Orlando and West Palm Beach is like three hours or so. Mm-hmm. I stayed with him at his hotel in Orlando. And went to work every day, <laughs> three, three, four hour wow, trip. That's right. <laughs> Until okay. I found the place, you know See, what I mean. That's young people. So it's just like, like you cut away at your listen, money every I'm day do, you work right. with that gas money. <laughs> I'm like, man, I got to get the hustle, gotta bro. Do I got to get to do what I got to do. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Especially considering, you know, what I'm saying the experience of 
to catching the bus. And, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like if I can get up early to catch the bus, you know, mm-hmm. you know, to catch the bus That's three hours. Out. Right. Is exactly. that be in my own ride right. in the TI than right. uh, <laughs> on the freight. You know, what my saying? headphones was crazy. TI. <laughs> and and actually Florida is not the bad place to have to sleep in your car either. So. No. <laughs> yes. Sure. Um, but, uh, yeah, so I ended up getting my own place and stuff there or whatever. It was a great experience. Um, you know, there was some fr- false promises with that uh, job or whatever. Um, when I got there, they was like, yeah, you just, you know, put it in a couple months or whatever. Case we did, we'll bump up your pay. That didn't happen. Mm-hmm. A couple months later, still didn't happen or whatever. So I was only there for, like, maybe like a year and a half or something like that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I found another opportunity um, up in Albany, New York. Mm-hmm. Um, and the crazy thing is, like, again, what I said previously was that, after I got laid off, I started to get into the mindset. It was just like, I just want to make as much money as I can to be able to, uh, you know, and learn these particular skills so I can start my own business or whatever the case would be. So when I went to Florida, uh, my mindset was I'm willing to go wherever I got to go to make as much money as I can so I can come back home and, you know, saying contribute to home um, in Detroit. <laughs> and so, um, again, like, after getting laid off, I'm just like, and, you know, I've been laid off a couple more times after that. I was like, my loyalty to the employer doesn't exist anymore. You know what I mean? So at this point, I'm just like, if there's another company offering me a considerably amount more money, I'm out. Like, that's it. Yeah. <laughs> so I uh, went up to Auburn, New York. There was an opportunity there. They were willing to pay more and pay for my me moving and everything. I'm in Auburn, New York. They like, people are like, how the hell did you go from Florida to Albany, New York. Yes. <laughs> like, one, of, one of the warmest places to one of the coldest places. Right. They get more snow than we do. You know what I mean? Oh, yeah, it's just like, sure it's pretty ridiculous. And it's boring as I don't know what. I'm sorry for all the people yeah. listening that might be from Albany, but um, it's uh, it's a very boring place. <laughs> Actually, Northern, Northern New York has a different, well, really, yeah, like you say New York, people outside just like, oh, of New, New York, York City. City <laughs> New York, the state, is very, it's kind of like Michigan. Yeah. Outside of Detroit, it's like some pockets here yeah. and there, but most part, you know. Yeah, so, and we're talking about the capital, it's the capital too, so like, I mean, Lansing ain't really popping like that either, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, so no. it's like, it's Albany is like that. Um, and so, um, yeah, no, it's like the club closing at nine thirty. You like, right. oh, man. I mean, I, it was actually some friends that I went to high school with that were from Albany. So I'm hitting them up like, yo, like, what's the, like, where should I live? Like, where should I do in Albany? They like, yo, you gotta live on Lark Street. So I'm up here finding a place on Lark Street, man. And, uh, it's dead as I don't know what. Like, it's like, it's like two little bars or something like that. I mean, it might be different now, but back then, man, it was, it was brutal. But it was an important time for me to be for, able to collect for my somebody thoughts. somebody in their twenties. In right, yes. right, exactly. Right now, you probably be like, this is what I need. <laughs> like, right. I know, but so, I mean, need. I think it ended up still being what I needed because mm-hmm. it gave me an opportunity to sit back and be like, okay, what do you want to do next? Like, what, what do you want your life to be? You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, so I had that quiet time to do that. Um, and so it was, a, I think Albany was actually a pivotal time for me mm-hmm. um, at, that, at that point in time. Um, and I ended up going from Albany to uh Philly. <clears throat> um, I actually got a job in Princeton, New Jersey. Um, so I was I, I was like living right between uh, Philly and uh, Princeton. Okay. Um, so for the first time in my life, uh, realizing that there's places that, uh, so this whole entire state of New Jersey, you cannot pump your own gas. Mm-hmm. Like you, it's all full service, <laughs> which took some getting used to being from Detroit where, you know, when I was younger, they had full service and self-serve. <laughs> you can choose to being also sir, mm-hmm. to out here just like you better not touch that gas pump. It, yeah. It's literally illegal. Uh-huh. <laughs> but um, you know, um, but again, like just taking advantage of opportunity. Uh, actually, when I first moved there, I actually had a job in Reading, PA, 
Um, I was there for all of maybe two weeks, mm-hmm. if that. But before that I moved to this other job, new mentality, because my better opportunity. Dad, I'm on. And it's crazy. So my dad was just like, "Listen, you need to stay somewhere and hold. You know, what I'm saying like build somewhere." I said, "Dad, like that mentality is gone. Like that, mm-hmm. like doing employers. Like there's no pension. There's no, you know, what I'm saying like the real retirement they have to me. Exactly. There's no." Echo that doesn't exist today. anymore. And mm-hmm. my dad was just like, all right, would you just go live your life? You know what I'm saying? Like, dad, like, <laughs> things are changing. I, I mean, yeah. I'm good. I trust me. Um, and it's crazy because not long after that, he had to be laid off from his job. Uh-huh. For the, like... First time ever. Yeah, and the long, like, as far as I know, you know what uh-huh. I mean? Getting laid off. And uh, he hadn't found a job after that for... And up being like a, like a, at least another year. Yes, and let's speak to that as just the economist in me, uh, all the economist studies I've taken. Mm-hmm. And that's why it's tough when the it's two figures that are often used to explain the status of, a, you know, of, of a place mm-hmm. in economics. One is GDP, which can always be manipulated right. because what includes in the gross domestic product can be changed around. And I will argue the gross domestic product. It's like an index of like, you know, the 20 best selling uh, (laughs) goods in a country, state or whatever, usually a nation. And to me, I question that, especially in America with the the cross trend of like how much, even if it's an apple, is is that apple American. (laughs) Uh, Nowadays, you have to question a lot of these products. Like is an iPhone American? Like are these companies even American? That's one thing. And unemployment especially because you're on the books for unemployment for six months. After six months, you're, you're, you're known as a displaced worker. Mm -hmm. Like you're seen as if you're not even looking for work. Right. And they also, unemployment often neglect, neglects to acknowledge a lot of people that are underemployed. Right. As well. And in a place like Detroit, it's so many workers that have been displaced for years, but they're being looked at as you obviously don't want a job. Right. They're not even getting counted in that unemployment number. And then, yeah. So you look at it and you look at the unemployment figures for Detroit. You say to yourself, a person living in Detroit, like, how is it only 8%? That's how it's 8%. Because (laughs) it's counting people that have lost their jobs in the past eight months. Laid off is still sort of looked at, you know, often looked at differently. Mm -hmm. Uh, So it's, is who's pulling from the unemployment rolls. But that is not a true reflection of people that are seeking quality work to to sustain a quality of life. Absolutely. <clears throat> so and then too, I mean I mean even just uh you know saying with those numbers also not reflecting the number of jobs that uh people that are employed having to do in order to sustain. Yeah. Like, you know, most people work in two, three jobs. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. that's not a good sign. <laughs> you no. know what I'm like, no. But I mean if you want to say that unemployment is down, like uh, sure. Yeah. But like, you I know mean, what I'm saying, yeah. if coming if, off the echoes of uh what <laughs> The, the State of the Union address right, that right. our president just made, and I'm sure tonight our governor is making a State of the State address where she will speak to those <laughs> figures as well, which I don't think are figures that we should embrace as a nation. For sure. Uh, I mean, we just have to change how we measure our economy, period. Yes. Like, GDP is just not an adequate tool for how no. we measure anything uh, of substance when it comes to being American and no. what that means. <laughs> yeah, I agree. So uh, now I, I, I wanted to give that as you were speaking about your father experiencing a layoff for the first time. And this is just kind of like this trend for that's been taking place for our whole lifetime. But really, I would say maybe even 20 years before. So maybe mm-hmm. since 19, you know, since like 1955, the trend away from away from the industrial age 
into the information technology age, which was kind of connected through automation. Right. Uh, <clears throat> shout out to Jimmy Boggs and everything he wrote uh, from the uh, Negro Workers Hand Guide. Uh, but it's, it's a lot of information on that. And just that gateway to this information technology age, not being able to sustain so many people. And like, that's not looked at as success. You know, right. Andrew Carnegie, Henry Ford, uh, Van Buren, even, you know, the Rockefeller family, you know, it was with pride they looked at saying, I have over 100,000 workers. Whereas now, the greatest organizations right. are with pride saying, yeah, hey, we're in, a room, we're in a room the size of your closet and right. we make billions of dollars. Right, exactly. Off of, off of selling data. Right. And it's crazy because like, even when we talk about the transition from the South up to the North, I mean, you had people that, um, you know, they can, they didn't move their whole family initially. They came yeah. up and they had to get them 30, 90 days or whatever yeah. it was at that time, you know what I mean, mm-hmm. first. Yeah. Because you weren't an actual full employee until you made it past those 90 days, whatever the case would be. And even what that looks like from, you know what I'm saying, uh, from a perspective of opportunity for, you know, temporary housing. You know what I'm saying? You had people to open up their houses to people like, you know what I'm saying? They had, I mean, you had people that had rooms in their rooms. house. We're not rooms. Yeah, you know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> yeah. They hear those stories, man, that just just hustle. Like, we go, you know, this is the reality. We go find a way. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Um, <clears throat> but, you know what I'm saying, for somebody like my dad to, you know what I'm saying, try to incite some knowledge on me, just like, listen, like, this is how this works. You go somewhere, you work, and you know what I'm saying, and yeah. hopefully retire from there. And that was um, a reality. That and was a reality. was a reality, you know yeah. what I mean, at that point. Uh, I mean, for him, you know what I'm saying, where he came up. And many um, people, yeah. And then the way it's changing now is more so, like, you know what I'm saying, from my standpoint was, uh yeah now like I'm going to go where the opportunity is yeah. and you know if that's a year you know if I've been on here for a year like when I was in Albany I had to sign a contract because they helped me move so I had to sign a contract for staying there for two years I think it was mm-hmm. um and so you know what I'm saying I did you my time what other opportunities right. exist <laughs> and it's actually it's funny because uh you know even within that you know I thought that moving from automotive and getting laid off left and right, going into electrical, was going to be a saving grace in the sense of, like, not having to worry about getting laid off because, yeah. like, everybody needs power. Everybody doesn't need a new car. So I thought I was yeah. good. But deregulation happened in that industry, and, you know what I'm saying, then come in, you know, layoff. Yeah. <laughs> so yeah. um, I knew that layoffs were on the verge. Um, so I was actually, you know, trying to, um, at my job, I ended up having at uh, Princeton, mm-hmm. I tried to leverage that, to move back home because at this point I'm just like I'm. it's time for me to go back home mm-hmm. um, this is pre-2010 <clears throat> and so um, I actually tried to see if they can transfer me because um, I was still in the power industry uh, transfer me to DTE because uh, mm-hmm. they were one of our clients whatever and uh, there were no positions available here mm-hmm. um, and so I made the decision that uh, if I don't get either get laid off um, by a certain time I'm just quitting and I'm moving back home um, and literally came down to almost a wire, like kind of my internal deadline, and uh, I ended up getting laid off. <clears throat> but I was literally on the verge of like, wow. <laughs> like I'm bouncing. I don't care what happened. Mm-hmm. I'm going home. Um, and I ended up getting laid off. So, um, so my entrepreneurial journey was able to get kicked off in 2010 when I moved huh. back here. 
Um, and I was able to at least float myself with the uh, unemployment for a while. <laughs> okay. And what was the first thing you jumped into as an entrepreneur? <clears throat> and one of the terms people use nowadays is serial entrepreneur. And I don't know how I feel about that term. I don't know how you feel about it either. Because I'm still I'm still making my mind up about it because I think it kind of, in my mind, that, that term serial entrepreneur kind of, uh, it dilutes the journey of what we are, we're, we're creating, we're creating opportunities to engage with products and services, but also experiences and, and connect with people. So that shifts, but making it like to call it like serial almost makes it <laughs> seem as if like it, the, that, that one part of our journey ends and then the next one starts or right, vice versa, right. <laughs> where I believe it's all interconnected. For sure. I think I think part of it is probably because, um, you know, there's kind of like this the buzzword misunderstanding of a difference between an entrepreneur and a business owner. Um, you know what I'm saying? From uh, like I have one business and I'm focused on that to uh-huh. would you call yourself a serial business owner? Like, you know what I mean? Yeah. So, like, I think that's probably like kind of just like not to take away from the people who are business owners and consider themselves entrepreneurs. But I'm kind of like, a, mm-hmm. you know. I'm not stuck in one yeah. industry or field or something like that or whatever. I don't know. Mm-hmm. Um, but again, buzzwords. It could be. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a, it's a sexy word right now. <laughs> right, you know right. Of course. Two years from now, it'll be like something else. Right, right. Um, I think, uh, so the first, when I first came back, uh, actually, um, I wanted to work directly with someone who had their own business. Mm-hmm. So uh, shout out to Brandon Smith, who was a Star Factory. Mm-hmm. Um, so he has a, a artist development company. Mm-hmm. Um, so I hit this man up. I said, listen, man, um, I really want to just be able to learn and kind of just be able to see, you know what I'm saying, how a day-to-day, you know, Operation business is, is how it goes for you. Um, and, you know, be willing to support it, whatever. So I kind of offered myself to for free to be able to, you know what I'm saying, just support, you know, this other black man's business. And, uh, you know what I'm saying, learned a lot, you know what I'm saying, going in there every day, you that's, know what I'm saying, that's what so, we met. saw what that ground was. That's <laughs> what we met and connected uh, originally. And shout out to Brandon, too. Uh, what he does, explain a little bit about what they do, because what they do is very unique, and I don't know how many people know or connect with it. For sure. Uh, so, I, I mean, uh, Star Factory, uh, from an artist development standpoint, they do everything from vocal training to, um, you know, um, uh, uh, dance, learning dance, um, uh, learning. I mean, if you want to learn the, uh, I mean, he, he believes in, um, kind of, uh, teaching artists how to be there like a full, like being able to do a lot of stuff in house, you know what I'm saying? Where they don't have to necessarily, uh, you know, at least if they're going to hire the people to do the work that they're familiar with some of the concepts, whether, whether it's to produce a song or to write a song, you know what I'm saying? Write a song, so songwriting, all that kind of stuff, um, publishing, also writing for other people. You know what I mean? Um, not everybody's going to be an artist, you know what I mean? So, you know, songwriters also have a, you know what I'm saying? I think, uh, oftentimes are underrated and, you know what I'm saying? Like we have a lot of talented songwriters in Detroit, uh, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like you just don't know that they write some of the, your favorite songs, you know what I'm saying? Like, you got that right. You got that right. Um, but, you know, they're royalties though, you know what I mean? So like teaching about that and stuff like that. Um, but he, I mean, he's continued to expand his business um, from what I've seen way back then to even now. Um, he's doing some work over at Cass. So, you know what I'm saying? He's just he has, uh, working with Big Shine, the studio over at Cass High School. Um, and so those kids are having an opportunity within their school to, you know, saying uh, tap into, mm-hmm. um, you know, seeing if this music thing is something that they want to do, you know what I mean? Um, which is powerful, I think, as well. Um, but it's crazy because, uh, it's again, the way the world is connected, man. Um, I, actually, I had first met Brandon years prior 
on uh, the porch of a friend from uh, over on Joy Road. Mm-hmm. Uh, one of the girls I went to high school, or uh, uh, we went to elementary school together. And, uh, you know, saying I was going to talk to her or whatever, and he was on her porch or whatever. And uh, I had handed him a pamphlet for this organization I was starting at the time. <laughs> he's like, and even tell the story now, he's just like, man, I was talk- thinking like, who the heck is this guy coming over this oh, professional with this looking pamphlet? No. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, it's crazy because, like, you know, we determined, we figured that out, you know what I'm saying, at, long after we had already been talking and stuff like that. We're just like, oh, I it's remember you. It together. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, but I mean, for him to be able to open his doors man, and um, be able to let me, you know, get an insider on that journey, um, you know, I had uh, really dove into working with a girl group and all this kind of stuff over there. And uh, I mean, I learned a lot, man. It, now, was, it was insane. Now, talk a little bit about that because it is a lot of young people that want access, <laughs> and doing that does take a presence of mind, patience, and also dedicating time to that craft. There's <laughs> so many entrepreneurs love sharing because you love what you're doing like it's a child it's, it's right. your baby love to share it but oftentimes may never get the chance what you did was really a, a, an organic apprenticeship <clears throat> you just went about it your own way um talk about what it was like being an apprentice and and then also just knowing how entrepreneurs are you know, from being a dedicated apprentice, you're eventually going to, opportunity will open up where you're going to end up making some money too. And opportunities will just flow to you because it's like, wow, they've shown their dedication where now dedication becomes, it's good having this person around where you kind of become, I want this person around where now you're necessary (laughs) to the operation. Right, right. Can you talk a little bit about that? So so I think that uh, when I I came, you know, I mean, there were some some areas that I was, uh, you know, Actually, I was going to school for uh, entertainment business at the time, mm-hmm. uh, Full Sail University uh, online, which is mm-hmm. an amazing school. Um, shout out to them. I mean, the process there is very much like you're learning exactly what you're going there for. It makes mm-hmm. so much sense. Like every school should be formatted that way versus mm-hmm. like learning just abstract things that really don't touch on the career that you're actually striving for. Um, but um, I think um, I think for him, it was... Uh, I guess a little bit easier to be able to accept, you know, accept me in because I was I, I was saying that I wanted to offer something versus just shadow. Because, mm-hmm. um, like, you know, if, if you're a busy entrepreneur, like, you know, you don't have time to, like, create a schedule and, like, a to-do list for somebody. But if somebody is there and it's just like, yo, actually, can you do this for me? Got you. You know what I mean? Like, you know, so I was able to, you know, get involved with creating some, you know, some collateral, like, whether it's for, for some marketing stuff some social media stuff, you know what I mean? Like, and sometimes it was just being in the studio and just like observing and, you know saying, seeing how he connects with the artist and, um, um, you know, the challenges, the ups and downs. Like I said, I had, um, you know what I'm saying, from some of the money I saved and stuff like that, I uh, invested in a girl group as well. Mm-hmm. So, you know, we ended up traveling to Atlanta to meet with record labels and all that kind of stuff, whatever. Um, so, you know, at some levels of that, you know what I'm saying, I was putting my money up also, you know what I'm saying, to support um, you know, this group, group. Um, but I don't know. I, I mean, I, I would love to have Red here to talk about it because, um, you know what I'm saying? He's, it, I wasn't the only one, you know what yeah. I mean? He was able to bring other people on board and, um, you know what I'm saying? Build networks that now other folks are either working at radio stations or yeah. they're established artists or, and that's all started from a passion, you know what I'm saying? Not something that, you know, maybe he started, you know, thought that he wanted to do. And outright, I'll tip, but. And I'll tip my hat to you, like I say, just to, 
to take the initiative to start your own apprenticeship program. Right, which without, I, like, you a, know, wasn't thinking about that. A, time. Um, <clears throat> you know, without like a, a format where, you right. know, like some organization put it together. For and, sure. You know, he gets a grant and you get a stipend. <laughs> and, right. You know, every other Saturday we're going to sit. And right. It's like, right. Yeah, yeah, like, what you want to do today? I right. don't know. Like, what you want to learn? <laughs> I, I like music, but I kind of only like sky. And it's like, I don't, I don't mm-hmm. do that. You know what I'm saying? Right, but you right. just kind of found a way. And then that's like the, you really learn. I, I, I think that that's very admirable uh, and humbling. Like, like I say, it's like in a lot of ways, some of the things you've done, it's like, damn, that was like a real effective way of doing it <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know? and it's like you know what i'm saying like, and for me it's just like how do we open up more doors and opportunity for that to happen for young people um because i think the assumption is that you know you just need to get out there and get it um and that's cool and that works for some people but not for everybody some people yeah. do need a little bit of hand holding or yeah. they do need to be pointed in the right direction like bro like let me just turn you over here go that way yeah. you know what i mean and uh you know it's not a one-size-fits-all strategy you know what i mean so like what might work for me you know, because at the time, with yeah. The next, yeah. So like, I was definitely afraid of networking and stuff like that. It wasn't until mm-hmm. uh, the D- Detroit Black Expo uh, events and stuff like that that I started going to mm-hmm. and starting to hear like a Ken Harris, t- mm-hmm. you know, talk about. You know, he. Was, <laughs> I love telling the story. Like we were at Cobo Hall. It was a room of about I don't know, like maybe sixty people or so, right? Uh-huh. He literally had everybody introduce themselves, and as the person introduced themselves and talked about what they did, he instantly made a connection for them. Hey, you need to talk to so and so, and their number is three one three blah 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 blah. Mm-hmm. And he did that for the entire room, and like even in the room, he was making internet connections. So somebody set up and said, "Hey, like I do, you know, I'm doing soaps and all this other kind of stuff. We need to get with them because they have mm-hmm. a studio for the, you know what I'm saying whatever." And for me, at that moment, I was just like, bro, I want to be a networker. Like, I want to be out here talking to people and, like, connecting dots for people. You know what I mean? He's definitely, he's, to come soon on Detroit is different. We've been texting. He's always traveling with the business league and a lot of stuff. But I will relay that message. And I can already hear kids saying, oh, man, well, Jay already, brother, knew this. Right, right. Like, kid. Right, just take. It. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, it was at, it was at that moment because um, I was like still afraid to, you know, public speaking wasn't mm-hmm. the thing for me. Mm-hmm. You know, what I'm saying uh, con- like even just trying to being in a networking thing, right? Being in yeah. a networking thing is one of the most intimidating things on the planet for some for, people. For somebody you know what at, I mean? at your age and then with your <laughs> right. experience, and you you're know, not. And I'm not no well accomplished entrepreneur. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? I don't have a name for myself. Like, yeah, yeah I'm introducing myself. I don't know Jack about. I don't know the latest about sports and all this other kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. So what am I going up and saying to somebody? Yeah. So at the time, I decided that my thing would be I'm going to ask people. You know, uh, like what are they passionate about? Mm-hmm. I'm not going to ask about what you do for a living. Like, you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. None of that matters really. Like at the end of the day, I want to know what drives you. You know what I'm saying? Like, what, what's your passion? I don't and know, so I responded with when you actually. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm like, you know, what I'm saying like a lot of people are taking back for me because they're so used to being asked like, "What do you do?" Like, yeah. oh, well, I work this job, or whatever. But when you ask what your passion is, you just like, "Well, I do." Yeah. Oh, wait, what? What my passion? Yeah. Wow, nobody ever asked me that. And so, uh-huh. like, I kind of like kind of created my life in doing that because I didn't know what the heck else to <laughs> talk about. I, uh-huh. I don't know how to make just, you know, what I'm saying random small conversation. Talk, yeah, yeah, small talk is just terrible for me (laughs) so i had to kind of find a way but i mean a lot of these things uh, a lot of these tools and stuff like that we have to make available for people um and not try to keep trying to put everybody in the same box Mm -hmm. same thing with like trying to make sure everybody goes to a four-year college and also Mm -hmm. the kind of stuff like my story is not four-year college my story is community college and Mm -hmm. apprenticeships and internships and 
you know what I'm saying, jumping out on faith and just, uh, you know, <laughs> doing whatever sometimes, necessary, you yeah, know what I mean? Sometimes staying in your homeboy hotel room right. right? to be at an hey, orientation. You got to do what you got to do, you know yes, what I mean? Um, but, um, yeah, man, so uh, I think it's important to tell these stories, so I definitely commend you for, you Thank know you. what I'm saying, creating a platform to be able to tell those stories. Yeah. Um, and just being real with people, man. Okay, and, and we're getting, man, I'm going to have to bring you back because some of the stuff that we talked about beforehand, I didn't even really get a chance to get right, into. Right. <laughs> but I do want you to to share in entrepreneurship because there's many projects and programs that you've been connected with. Mm-hmm. Uh, what are some of the things that uh, that you're focusing on now that you see happening next and what are you excited about? Uh, so I said, right, right now, um, I'm uh, working at... Uh, uh, with GDYT right now, with Gordy Choice Young Talent, the application is open right now um, until May first. Um, so I'm part. It's crazy because my journey has taken me to you know from me asking people what, what their passion is to me getting to my passion, which is um, connecting the dots or you know being um, networking, you know, networking and all that kind of stuff. So um, it has transitioned from kind of like this kind of adult side of it to you know saying what can I do for our young people so they get acclimated or um, get. Um, these tools earlier on, you know what I mean? Um, <clears throat> and so uh, so that's what I'm doing right now with GDYT. Um, hopefully, you know, I have a project that's on the table that I think that can help GDYT go to, get to the next level that can provide okay. opportunity for a larger group. I mean, right now we're doing about 8,000 every year, uh-huh. um, which is cool, uh, which is, you know, it's a mixture of funding and, you know what I'm saying, uh, ex, you know, jobs available, all that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think there's a lane that we can play uh, connecting young people to other opportunities that's outside of GDYT as they apply for GDYT. Yeah. Because um, we have them, they're coming. <laughs> so, like, uh-huh. let's figure out a way to help connect the dots for them. Um, so, working on that right now. Um, and then, as far as my business, Social Sushi, um, you know, again, starting as a networking event, using sushi as a way to bring people together mm-hmm. um, has become... Um, have formed into uh, wanting to create a sushi lounge so where I can I can literally be the place that people come to versus me going to a bunch of different places. Um, and now we're kind of pivoting uh, because now as Detroit continues to change my, I guess my business model, man, my motto or how I go about doing, you know, how I go about connecting those dots and stuff like that is changing a little bit. And so now I'm kind of focused more on kind of like a, a fast casual model. Um, mm-hmm still baked in with ways that we can connect people to community projects and stuff like that. So, I mean, my social um, kind of entrepreneurship, you know, aspect is still baked into uh, this business model, but one that can sustain or, um, you know what I'm saying, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? what the term I'm looking for. It's one of those buzzwords. I can't think of it. <laughs> but but I mean, yeah, I mean, but basically, I want uh, this business model to be able to. Um, oh, you know, okay. So, I think you're, what you're going at is more so be be something that can replicate, that can uh, right. that can continue to grow in different places and different facets, sure. so that it can impact other communities. Absolutely, because I mean, I, I don't want uh, the business to be a, a static thing where it yeah. only exists in Detroit or it only exists within this community. Mm-hmm. I want to be able to go to other communities and it looks mm-hmm. and feel different because of where yeah. it's at. Yeah. Um, but underlining, we're profitable. You know what I mean? So yeah. like, I want to be sustainable in that sense. Um, but the community aspect of things, um, I just want to be able to uh, bring people to the table, organizations that are doing amazing work. Because I tell people all the time, I remember growing up and seeing whether it was in the uh, pizza shop or 
a corner store or whatever it was, there used to be uh, uh, pictures of the local softball team or uh-huh. the, you know what I'm saying, the cheerleading team or whatever like that because that business contributed to that program. Mm-hmm. You don't see that as much these days. It's not saying that businesses don't get back, yeah. but it's just like that kind of outward, like, hey, like, check this out. Like, this is, a you know, something that we should all support. Um, so I kind of just want to kind of bring a new age kind of uh, thought process to that. Uh, we have a lot of organizations, a lot of community programs and stuff like that that, um, you know what I'm saying, are vying for the same type of funding and stuff like that. And I think mm-hmm. that um, there should be um, some focus on creating business or businesses that could, like, its purpose is to feed these organizations. Mm. As long as, if I can, if you're coming to support my business, it's re, re going. I mean, it's kind of at the cycle where it's going back into the organization, and you're going to continue to bring people to my business. And cool. you know, what I mean, uh, probably could explain that better, but <laughs> that's yeah. kind of where my mind is. I understand. With it. <clears throat> it becomes a um, as you talk about sustainability, it also becomes a model. I mean, out of that vision of the International Detroit Black Expo. Mm-hmm. Black Business Expo, um, it becomes a model where it feeds into itself. It becomes an ecosystem right. in a lot of ways, where where the, the the business is a place and space for people to connect. But as those people con- to con- as those people connect, they invest in the business. Then business then turns around and reinvest in their visions or their programming sure. or you know you use the example of the softball team, but it could be whatever Absolutely. those projects are not programming and then vice versa. It brings back more right. synergy in Absolutely. and around, like creating what you know. Even even from a, even from the standpoint of my employees, man. Like I, I, I know that I mean there are some people that are very much into the culinary arts world that work in food, but there's a lot of people that no, this is just a transitional thing. Like I'm just working, I'm just doing this to make some money so I can yeah. move on to my thing. I want to understand from my employees what that thing is and how I can connect it, help them connect the dots. And that way, when they transition, when they transition from working for me. Like, hopefully, I've helped them get to the next level for whatever it is that they want to do. And then they will be return customers. And not only return customers, but they're more than likely to prefer somebody to come work for me that can, we can keep this thing going. You know it what I mean? It builds a stronger relationship. <laughs> Absolutely. I had to that. And if anybody would know how to break that barrier of not just looking at a job as a job, and I got to be for mine and they for theirs. Right. You know, and uh, really, I guess the economic term in that is that is, you know, employment uh, in a workplace cannot be so transactional. Right, exactly. You know, exactly. it needs to be more more holistic, more intimate, so that the relationships are, are better. You know, so if you have an understanding of the childcare dynamics of your staff, then you and then your staff has an understanding and a respect for the, the business projects and programming at hand. Now we can work around things in a, in a creative way, Absolutely. as opposed to just like Nine to five. Exactly. You know, you know what I'm saying? I get, I get uh, chefs that are artists. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? I want to connect them to projects. I want them, I want yeah. them to be able to, man, like, bro, salute. Thanks. I'm out of here. Uh, you know what I'm saying? They'll be more willing to put in there two weeks. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Maybe two weeks with, hey, I know another guy that's looking for opportunity. And that's the, you can yeah. connect them. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but, yeah, like, you know, I always want to create the space where, you know, if my... Yeah. Like like I said, anything that my staff is looking to accomplish beyond our four walls, you know what I'm saying? Like, I want to be able to connect the dots for them. Um, and that's, you know what I'm saying? And that requires me to continue to stay connected to my community, you know what I mean? Also, you know, so I can um, help facilitate that. But, um, okay. yeah, man, that's where I'm at, though. Well, I definitely look to have you back sooner than usual. Usually <laughs> I like to always spread it out maybe like a year or whatever, but I want to bring you back 
maybe in a couple months, so we can talk a little bit about some of the 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 community development business programming, how you sure. see it as somebody that has uh, been awarded some community development business uh, programming awards and, and how you see that. And then really, more so than the awards in the programming now, how do you see our community can invest in business? Um, and, and that question I do want to ask you now. I, I really just got to be greedy on For this. Sure. But how do you see in a city like Detroit that, that faces the challenges it faces, what are ways that Detroiters, the, the, the residents, the homeowners, the, the renters here that plan on being here, can support businesses like yours uh, morphing, taking shape, um, um, and, and building and developing? So <clears throat> I think there's something to be said about the reality of people needing a place to live um, and how it can connect to the businesses that need to serve those people, right? So I think we, I think that there sh could be um, a real estate project that invests in real estate, um, offer. I was just trying to explain this idea to somebody else the other day, uh, but offer um, whether that's you know whether they're selling the house or renting it, but like you know if they're offering if they're connecting this homeowner to um, resources so they can have a lower down payment or something like that, whatever. Mm -hmm. um, but say that, um, you know, we're going to additionally add on to that with these particular dollars um, with the mm -hmm. understanding that you will participate in these. I mean, it's not a requirement. It's just more so of like we're able to offer you this opportunity only because like we're creating this system to where um, if we're able to offer you this, you're committing to support these particular businesses within the neighborhood, um, you know, <clears throat> particularly around where they live and even beyond. Uh, but particularly for, uh, you know, I'm looking at areas that need a lot of um, um, that support and, yeah, and, a lot of support and, a, a and of also those... to attract businesses that from residents themselves or anybody that wants to build in that neighborhood. And a lot of those uh, projects for community development. Mm -hmm. fall along the lines of some of what the president was just speaking about in the State of Union address. Uh, as I've been pursuing the option to be a vendor in the federal contracting world mm -hmm. for Creative Differences Marketing, uh, it's my vision, if somebody's listening, to do tutorial videos for federal government organizations and agencies. Mm -hmm. But this neighborhood itself is labeled as what they call a hub zone, an opportunity, opportunity zone. zone. Mm -hmm. So these hub zones and opportunity zones, as uh, Dipsy Hustle's neighborhood in Compton, uh, well, not well, you know, on Slauson and everything. His neighborhood is looked at in Inglewood, close to Inglewood, and everything is looked at. Um, it's it's money really tied to this from federal dollars, right? That's now being siphoned off through programming that's held through not necessarily banks, but banking like institutions <laughs> that are these community uh, development based. Financial community development financial institutions. The CDFIs are, are serving as intermediaries, often banks. So some of them, like with First Independence Banks, uh, the Detroit Development Fund, a lot of uh, CDC, so community development corporations or organizations have done this, and they're receiving granting based on leveraging the disparities that exist in communities like mine, right. primarily around Black people, primarily around poverty, primarily around. Uh, Racist and systemic racist mm -hmm. systems like redlining uh, and, and, and the onus that um, 
some government agencies have taken, but they've leveraged millions of dollars in funding because some of this information is online, and then look to siphon into businesses like yours through this programming. So as I say, the neighborhood should invest. How do you feel that the community itself can can have more of a say than more so than just like, you know, sometimes I know they'll say like, a community member needs to be a part of this board or, oh, right, you know, right. like, how can the community speak up to also the way that funding is distributed? Because many people are, I think, unaware of the way some of this funding is siphoned off into the multiple millions and billions of dollars through the federal government leveraging places like Detroit, Harlem, uh, you know, Philadelphia, New York, New Jersey, New Orleans, uh, just our community. Yeah, I mean, I think that's a, um, a tough nut to crack in a sense that um, when it comes to community engagement, like real community engagement and like finding out what people desire for their neighborhood, right? Uh-huh. Um, there's a, I feel like there's this process of, yeah, we'll say that we talk to the community and they'll offer up all these ideas, but they already know exactly what they want to do beforehand. <laughs> so like, there's this distrust there from that standpoint, um, but also just the value of people, right? So like there's, I mean, because, you know, whether you live in a neglected area or anything like that, for some reason, the people are viewed as less than or not having, you know what I'm saying, the knowledge to articulate you know, or just articulate differently. You know what I'm saying? Like, they have a different way of articulating what they're trying to say. Um, but there's the folks that are going in are not people from that community. Um, and so when you talk about trying to have a community person on board or whatever the case may be, um, I think there's a, a education that needs to happen on how to properly engage in the neighborhood um, um, and how to take the ideas not only take the ideas from the community, but or you know listen to the ideas of the community, but how do you involve them in being the solution themselves? Versus like, hey, like, all right, so you want you know a Starbucks in your community? No, we wanted a coffee shop, but like somebody in our neighborhood is actually looking to develop a coffee shop, and so how do we make those connections and connect those dots? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the the hard part too is really getting everybody in a room. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like getting people in a room is is very difficult because everybody works different schedules. We're talking about people with three or four jobs. So it's mostly the same people coming to these community meetings mm-hmm. all the time. You know what I'm saying? There might be some people that are kind of like, it's kind of tends to skew older, um, you know what I'm saying, and very vocal. Because they have more, they have more expendable time exactly. on hands because they may have been retired. Um, mm-hmm. or, or not they, to say, and then even childcare may not be childcare as much. I mean, yep. when your child's forty, and also they're just connected to the same um, people that's been disseminating information in our community for years, right? Mm-hmm. So like the, those other folks, uh, uh, those folks that disseminate information aren't necessarily connected with new people on Facebook or, you know what I'm saying, new people within the community mm-hmm. because those people haven't even been privy to the community meetings. <laughs> like, yeah. So, I mean, it's a it's a lot of things. So that's why, I'm like, when I try to think about ideas, it's like, one, like, how do we leverage what should be leveraged, like, with those, mm-hmm. you know, through the CDFIs and stuff like that? Um, it's, it's hard to figure out how do we create, um, uh, you know, it's, I guess, the levels, right? So it's like the sounding board, just like hearing everybody's thoughts and views and then having, you know what I'm saying, these uh, community leaders that now take it up and, you know, take it to another level and are able to articulate on behalf of the community. 
um, and finding those people for these different opportunities. I, was, I mean, I don't know where they all are, but um, I don't know. It's just, it's a important time right now to take advantage of it because um, it's here. Um, but how do we hold them, those folks accountable um, for uh, whether they're properly you know, mm-hmm. divvying those funds out and stuff like that is a whole other thing that I think that and then the system the itself, right? Yeah, and and that's really what where where I sometimes question, and we'll get really deep into that uh, on that theory. So it's good I laid that on you. <laughs> right, think right, on that same. classic Detroiters question. Detroiters different questions. I usually have three. Okay. My last interview I didn't even have one was rich, <laughs> uh, but it was a, a rich discussion as well. But uh, I'm gonna just kick off with. No, I'm gonna kick you with all three. Very first car, uh, year making model, and what year did you get it? All right, so my first car was a 1990 Grand Am. Okay. Blue. Um, a little fancy. Uh, <laughs> um, when did that? When did I have that car? That was uh, I didn't start driving. I didn't get my license until after high school. So that was my first car around what? 2002, three somewhere right now. Okay, so you're a ninety two, yeah. I think it was. Oh, three. <laughs> How long did it last? Uh, whew, uh, uh, I ran that thing till the wheels fell off. Okay. <laughs> uh, it lasted probably about a good uh, maybe around three years or something like that. See, that's where that's where working at Murray's helped out, <laughs> right? <laughs> working at Murray's helped out. Uh, but yeah, I mean. Um, yeah, my, my dad gave me that. Uh, okay. My first cool. car, Great cool. <laughs> um, Second question. You're the DJ at the end of the Detroit Fireworks at Woodward and Jefferson. Uh, what three songs you playing? Ooh. Hmm. You said it's the end of the fireworks? Yep. Uh, uh, let's see. Uh... That's a tough one. Uh, I mean, I'm gonna definitely have to go with the, and I'm just thinking like Detroit theme songs at this point. Um, the uh, Renaissance State of Mind, that, uh, mm-hmm. uh, what's her name? Uh, Monica Blair was on that. Mm-hmm. Uh, Guy from Piney Heck, what's his name? Uh, Rosebit. Rosebit, yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. Um, that was dope. <clears throat> um, hmm. So, so from Slum, like, that's okay. the guy so from Slum. Uh, you don't know, you, you don't want to pick one? Uh, I'm terrible with names. Like, oh, usually songs, when I, yeah, okay. man. Yeah, terrible. Okay. Uh, and then something, I guess, uh, older, older and classic uh, from Motown years, I think. Um, I was going to say uh, Hello Detroit, you know what I'm saying? The, Sammy. Sammy. Okay. Um, but I'm thinking, I'm thinking something from Stevie. Mm. Stevie. <clears throat> okay. But, yeah. Yeah. Well, Terrible my, song names. <laughs> like that's kind of whatever, Steve Wonder. Right. Uh, last question. You could rename Woodward after one Detroiter. Who would be why? Hmm. Um, I'm going to have to go with Coleman Young. 
Okay. Uh, uh, well, you know what? Yeah, I'm gonna stick with Coleman Young. Uh, my second was gonna be uh, uh, Don Barton. He was okay. my, my inspiration. Entrepreneurial inspiration. But, okay. Uh, David Coleman, um, just because the, yeah, I mean, he set the stage for so much for us as a um, majority black city. Um, I mean, either whatever you want to view it as good or bad, man. Um, I, I think what he did was uh, iconic, and um, um, especially at the time where there were very few black mayors. Um, and I always go back to the story of uh, I was able to one of my old teachers. Um, I connected with him. He stayed at the uh, 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 1800 Lafayette, um, and uh, across from him was this older lady, and she was actually part of starting the CB the uh, downtown business district um, and the central business district, well, CBD. <clears throat> um, and uh, she had all these pictures. I mean, I mean, just all kind of just memorabilia from back then. And I mean, talking about everything from like how they used to do at Macy's. I mean, they used to have like Cinderella, like moments for girls and, you know what I'm saying, all that kind of stuff. So every girl would come in and be able to be, you know, uh, pampered and all that kind of stuff and everything. But when I, when she's, I asked her, um, you know, like, I mean, she had served a lot of time in city government and stuff like that. And I asked her who her favorite mayor was. And this is an older white lady. I mean, she had to be like 90-something years ago at the time. And, uh, and she said, no matter what, every time I get asked that question, she said, hands down, it would be Comey Young. Huh. She said, we bumped heads all the time, but, you know, like had nothing respect. He, he treated me with nothing but respect. Um, and, you know, I mean, he was just a very uh, intelligent, caring, like, you know, and, and to hear that narrative from, you know, an older white woman, you know what I'm saying? It was like important for me because like we, I mean, of course, like many of the stories that I know were from a black perspective and there's stories about the racial, you know, aspects of, um, you know, um, whether white folks felt like Coleman was very much against them living in the city, which this lady was just like, that's BS. Like, you know what I mean? But she was very much like, he didn't care about if you were white, black, blue, yellow, it didn't matter. As long as you were for the city, he, he rocked with you, basically. Right. And uh, I, I just always carry that with me. Thank you so much, man. I appreciate you, brother. <laughs> black revolutionaries, distillery owners, Italian fashion retailers, and Motown Grammy winners all share their best stories never before told in any other media outlets on Detroit is Different. Visit DetroitIsDifferent.com or download the Detroit Is Different app on Apple's App Store or Google's Play Store.